we have a high percentage of students from disadvantaged backgrounds and being really passionate about supporting them to reach their potential, to get to where they want to be, to meet their targets and go above and beyond, I think that's really what makes a really good teacher. Opening minds, opening doors with EACT, the inspirational education podcast. I'm Michelle Livesey and I'm a journalist with Bauer Media, which owns radio stations across the country, including Magic, Kiss, Absolute, The Greatest Hits and The Hits Network as well. In this episode of Opening Minds, Opening Doors, we're looking at getting into teaching. We'll be discussing how it feels to stand in front of that class for the first time, managing workloads, but also why it's being described as the best job in the world. So let's introduce you to our guests. First of all, Emily Colonia, who is a teacher of year three at EAC's Chalfont Valley Primary School. We've got Hema Bardwa, who's also an EAC teacher at Crest Academy, assistant head teacher for teaching and learning. And Lucia Bistaki as well, who's a geography teacher at EAC Crest Academy. First of all, then, I guess, tell us a bit about your role, starting with you, Lucia. Um, yeah, so I'm a teacher of geography. It's a role I've enjoyed a lot this year. I'm mostly in charge of just teaching geography, helping with curriculum planning and hopefully finding my feet a bit more in the school at the moment, not going to lie. <laughs> what sort of age group do you teach? Um, I teach year seven all the way up to year 10 at the moment, hopefully picking up a year 11 class next year. And geography, was that an, always an area you imagined teaching? Um, yes, I moved into teaching from geology. So I've had a really strong passion for geography and geology for my entire life. Um, obviously geology superiority, but the human side of geography is really interesting too. And it's a subject that I'm really passionate about and I'm really hoping that that passes on to the students. What about you, Emily? What's your role and what do you do? So I teach a year three classroom, so I teach every subject for my nine to, well, eight to nine, 11 year old children. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I plan, I teach, I assess their learning and my teaching. I, likewise, I've contributed to the curriculum in all areas. Um, I hold or I held a club, a weekly club. So yeah, the, the missions we have in primary might be a little bit different from the ones we might have in secondary. Excellent. And Hema, what about yourself? I'm actually an assistant head teacher at EAC Quest Academy and I am responsible for the quality of education, so teaching and learning and implementation. And as part of my role, I support the induction of all the ECTs and initial teachers, uh, trainee teachers. And it's been really nice to see how they come in and then they kind of grow and flourish and develop throughout their career. So I actually have mentored Lucia and it's been, yeah, really exciting. How valuable is it having a mentor? Oh my days, I'm going to be honest here, Hema has absolutely saved my life when it comes to teaching. Every single time I've had a problem, she's been there, she's been my rock, supporting me, supporting the department, saying, okay, if this didn't work, let's try this strategy. If this didn't work, just keep going with this strategy, keep trying it and it'll stick eventually, even if it feels like it's not working. She's helped me through all those little steps and when I look back at where I was when I first started nearly two years ago, to now, I'm there thinking, oh wow, she has really brought me on here. Let's take you back two years then. Mm -hmm. Why teaching? Um, I was kind of at a loss of what I wanted to do. I didn't go to school in the normal way, I'll be honest. I was home educated as a child. I started school in year nine and I really, really struggled with that transition from homeschooling to secondary school. And I was just at a loss of what to do. COVID had started, lockdowns had started. I was working in geology and it was just hard finding jobs to do with that. And I was there thinking, what can I really do? 
I like working with kids. I come from a big family. I'm passionate about geography, so why not try teaching? So I kind of went into it that way. Was it daunting? Was it? Yeah, very. Uh, I remember, I still remember my first lesson stood in front of an entire classroom of about 31 students thinking, oh wow, I'm the responsible adult in the room here. <laughs> and so you're, you're teaching um, high school, aren't you? Sort of, um, is it year seven to year nine, did you say? Uh, year seven to year 10. Year 10, right. Okay, so quite a varied range, age yeah. group range. How do you find that differs from each year? Do you have to tailor everything? Oh yeah, I, even within the same year group, I'll have to tailor things to different classes as well. I have to tailor how I deliver the lesson, how I speak to the students. Individual students might need a little bit more scaffolding even within a class, but it's really fun seeing, you know, you've got year sevens that need a lot more support on the emotional side, a lot more getting used to how things actually work within the school versus the year tens who they need more support with the curriculum. They might need more challenging tasks. I do actually really like, you know, seeing, okay, I have this exact same lesson. I teach three year eight classes. How am I going to teach this differently for each class? Is that why you come in, Emma, in terms of the support? Yeah, kind of. I think really it's about using what we have as a, as a department and Lucia becoming familiar with that and me supporting her to find her feet with it as well. So I remember actually when she first started to teach and she didn't have the confidence and, you know, I saw a lot of potential in her and it was about nurturing that and supporting her to realise her potential and encouraging Lucia to try out different strategies that I might use or, or encouraging her to go and see other teachers across the academy and picking out things that she wanted to try in, in her own classroom and supporting her to find ways to embed those strategies into her own teaching. And that combined with perfecting her subject knowledge together, working side by side with her, you know, that's how she's kind of got to where she is today. And she's really good in the classroom. The students really, really love her lessons. More than mine, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just glad you saw potential in me. Wow. <laughs> is it, what makes a good teacher? Oh, that's such a big question. Um, I think it, it really varies. It, there are so many different types of teachers, but I think the crux of it is having really good subject knowledge and having good command of the classroom. So thinking about the different strategies that you're embedding, having routine that students know, right, this is what the expectations are of me and having those high expectations. Um, of yourself as a teacher, but also of the students. They want to be pushed. They want to know that you believe in them and that you see potential in them and that you're willing to support them to break through any barriers that there are. And I think, especially in our context, that's really powerful, um, where we have a high percentage of students from disadvantaged backgrounds and, you know, being really passionate about supporting them to reach their potential, to get to where they want to be, to meet their targets and go above and beyond. Um, I think that's really what makes a really good teacher. You mentioned subject knowledge, that's crucial if you're teaching yeah. a specific subject, but it's understanding as well, isn't it? Like you say, children from all different backgrounds, how to speak to those children, how to act around those children. Is that a challenge that you've overcome? Um, yeah, it's... I grew up with a very, very specific background, so it's kind of unlearning what I thought I knew about the world and then figuring out, okay, it's important to recognise maybe the students aren't doing well on the subject because they're having a bad day. Maybe they've never, sometimes they come to the school having never received a formal education before, 
or having received a very different education in a different country and subjects can vary so much from school to school let alone in different countries that you have to really tailor your lessons to say okay I need to go into this lesson assuming that they don't know these things that I take for granted I need to go into this thinking this might be common knowledge to me but I'm dealing with you know a 13 year old that's never had experience with this before so how can I make this more accessible to them and then obviously at the other end you've got primary school children. Yes. How is it working with primary school children? I think a lot of what's been said is also true of primary schools. I would say what I would add is that in primary schools what's even more important is the relationship with develop with the children. And I've seen it when I started back in January. I had to develop the relationship, especially with those children with additional needs, because for the ch those children, in a similar way, what I thought would work or what I had used with other children before did not work with them. I had to go deeper and, and think outside of the box to develop the relationships and set up tools that would work for them. So it was, it's very important and I've seen it when I've observed other teachers that it is really important to develop those strong relationships that they feel supported, they feel they have that adult figure who's there for them and will, um, as you were saying, support them, uh, stretch their learning, believe in them. And obviously from a primary school point of view, how does the lesson planning work? So the subject knowledge is very important. Um, so at Chalfon Valley, we are using an approach that we're trying to set up in all the different lessons. So there's a lot of modelling and I'm, I'm sure it happens in secondary too, but it's a lot of, so the teacher does, then we try and do it together and then the children have to try and do it themselves. And in our planning, we've worked really hard this year as a school to try and implement that so that it benefits the children and they get more out of their learning but that's more the teaching side of it in, in the planning aspect of it it's yeah it's very important to be aware of any misconceptions or even prior knowledge that they have about the topic or that they do not have about the topic to make sure that we fill in those gaps and that they have a, a safe secure foundation in their learning so that we can move forward Obviously, when you're training to be a teacher and you're going through the training process, it's all sort of following textbooks and, and learning the knowledge yourself. How does that differ to then, as you said, the first class you remember teaching, being in the classroom and being let loose, I guess? It was a completely different experience. Um, I feel like a lot of what I learnt on paper would have been very, very useful, but then once I was actually in a classroom and seeing the different class dynamics, it was completely different when it came to implementing them and there's a lot of little tips and techniques that I had to pick up from other teachers and observing people you know, in the workplace to actually say, okay, maybe that strategy didn't work for me on paper, I'm just going to try what they did for a bit. Was that the same for you? Um, not exactly. I had, I've had before getting into the, the teaching route here in the UK, I had had a lot of experiences in classes in different countries, so I felt more confident that way, but what I found was hard and I thought I knew how to do it and I got in a class here and I was like, oh, actually, that's a lot harder than I thought. For me, it was all, all those different things related to behaviour management and getting those very strong routines and getting those children to just follow them and getting those techniques like a lot of praise, a lot of positive reinforcement. I thought that this was harder than the actual subject knowledge and pedagogical knowledge in the way to teach it. I thought getting the frame around it was harder for me than getting the actual content out. And Hema, for you, in terms of the pathway you've taken, so teaching and then your mentoring and assistant head teaching, how has that developed? How did you, is that the way you always wanted to go or has it just opened up for you? Um, no. So when I first started, so I did my undergrad in a university doing a geography degree. 
and I went straight into my teacher training. I did a PGC at the University of Birmingham and then I got a job first year as an NQT and then I got a different job at a different school. So I've moved around quite a bit and I've got quite a bit of experience at just kind of teacher level within different schools. And I got to learn that there are some schools that I preferred working at than others just because of kind of the school context, the type of students, kind of distance and those kind of things. And I got a job as a head of department and I was kind of like, yeah, okay, I'm set. I've got my leadership role, like I'm, I'm happy. And then somehow ended up as curriculum director. I'm not quite sure how it happened. It just seemed to happen. Um, and that happened whilst at Crest. And then from there, I had an opportunity to become part of the extended leadership team and Again, that just kind of happened and now I've got the experience of being an assistant head teacher and at each stage I've kind of said to myself, okay, right, I'm, I'm at where I need to be now. I don't, I don't know if I see myself kind of going any further than that, but at the same time I really like the challenge and I really like the experience of working with different people. So as head of department I was just leading my team then as part of the extended leadership and even now I'm working across the whole school and that experience is really valuable to kind of work with different people in different faculties and different departments at different experience levels and yeah I'm really enjoying it but I didn't when I first started to teach it wasn't kind of I'm going to be an assistant head it was just kind of like I want to be in the classroom and even now as an assistant head I'm happiest in the classroom regardless of any of my other responsibilities I am first and foremost a teacher and that's what really I'm most passionate about so I really enjoy it. It's really interesting to hear that because when you imagine getting into teaching as you said you just imagine you choose a subject area or whatever you specialise in or if you want to work with young children and you're in a classroom and you're teaching but actually listening to your pathway and the different opportunities that have opened up to you there are so many. Yeah I mean it's it's been difficult. It's not, you know, it's, I'm not saying that the opportunities have just fallen into my lap. You know, I there have been lots of different things that I've done and, you know, lots of challenges along the way. Um, but I'm really grateful for them because I feel as though they've helped me to become a much better teacher and a much better leader as well. And I think it's about having the experience in the classroom and being really confident that I'm actually doing the right things by the students and I'm doing the right things by my colleagues and my team and working together. But also the leadership experience is really, really powerful because I feel as though now I have a bit more of a role to play in decision making around teaching and learning. So what actually is happening in the classroom and what CPD is being offered to the teachers across my academy and, you know, how am I continually ensuring that we're staying up to date with the most current educational research? So, you know, we spoke about pedagogy and the different strategies that people are trying to implement within their classrooms. But really, that's kind of me looking at what research is out there and working with other subject leads across the trust. So we've got the Leadership Assurance Board and attending those conferences to kind of identify what that research is and then bringing that back into my academy and sharing that with the colleagues. It's great to hear that there's that support network around. Do you find that as well, Emily, in your position in, in primary schools? Because we hear a lot about teaching and we hear a lot about the stresses and the challenges and the, you know, managing things and you might feel like you're alone, but how, how do you overcome that or what, what's your experience? Uh, 
as you said, so for me, it has been very challenging, especially as a trainee teacher. Um, but it's developing and becoming aware that we've got that network of support around us. Um, this is what has really helped me. And so now at my school as a teacher, I know I've got my mentor who's very helpful, but I know any teacher around me, whether they're SLT or not, are here to help. And I often find them with a lot of questions. That they're like, oh, another question. But they, they are really supportive and very helpful. And um, we we all, all together, we really problem solve to try and find solutions to, to just make things better. And so that if I've got a challenge with a child, we come up with some ideas. If I've got a challenge with how to develop the learning in the lesson, we also come up with uh, different ideas. So I find that to overcome those challenges, we need to have and be aware that we've got that network of people around us who are here, who care about us, who, who care about the children, because in the long run, we need to feel good to be able to get the children where we want them to be. And once we've got that knowledge, it does make things easier a little bit. What, what are the positives? What are the positives of teaching? The biggest positive for me would be the rewarding feeling of getting our children to understand something and seeing what we call those light bulb moments where they, it's, yeah, the penny drops and it's like, oh yes, I understand. And it's just, it's just so good to see that they, they, they just move further in their learning and they understand and they want to learn more and they've got so many questions. It, it's, it's really lovely to see the children being curious and, and want to learn and not be just like, oh, school is boring. So it's, no, I, I would say that's the most positive aspect of teaching for me. Um, yeah, I'd say definitely the sense of satisfaction, especially when with our subject, because it's an optional subject for GCSEs. I love seeing students who, when I started teaching them last year, hated geography, hated me, hated school, and all of a sudden they're picking my subjects for GCSE and they're hoping that I get to stay as their teacher next year. And like, yes! You must be doing something right. <laughs> Has that been the same experience for you? Uh, yeah, because I've been teaching for slightly longer, um, the satisfaction for me comes from seeing them from year seven into year 11, then opting for geography into A-level, choosing it at degree level, because then I feel like I've had a real impact. And actually, you know, I can think of a student that I taught GCSE geography to, A-level geography to, I, we kept in touch um, while she was doing her undergrad and she's actually trained to be a geography teacher now. So I feel as though, yeah, that is really you know, really rewarding for me. I feel as though I've had a bit of an impact on shaping what's happening in the future of our career as well. And I think that's really powerful um, to be able to do that. So that's really rewarding. That's incredible, isn't it? When you can kind of focus on those, whether it's the small moment of the penny dropping, like you said, of somebody getting something that you're trying to, people choosing your career going forward, and then you hearing how people have developed it into an actual career. Um, there's the flip side of it. You mentioned both of you like, oh, this is boring. I don't like you. Um, how do you overcome that? Um, I'm trying to make it... I'm trying to make them more realise just how relevant geography is in their day-to-day -day life. Um, at the moment, there's a volcano going off in Iceland, for example, and as soon as I saw the news report saying volcano going to go off in Iceland, I found a live stream of it. I was putting it in the corner of my um, smart board, you know, on the screen to get the kids to watch it. We're all taking guesses on when do we think it's going to go off, when's it going to happen? And now we're watching the process as it goes off, saying, OK, could this do something like disrupt flights because all of you want to go on holiday, for example? And that's where I'm trying to make it relevant to their day-to-day -day life. And because of that, they start to think, oh, yeah, this is actually useful. There's a lot of planning that goes into it, isn't there? It's not just turning up. And how, what, how do you manage that workload? It's, um, I think it takes a lot of 
prioritizing what's the most urgent or important at the moment. And I think it's a skill that I find I'm doing okay now, but I've been making progress and I still have some room for improvement. It's, it's hard to find that balance between, okay, I've got all those lessons to prepare, but I also need to do this and I need some time for my private life and I need some time for myself and all those things. It, it's, it's really hard. But as, as long, I find that as long as you prioritize what's the most urgent and or important, it really helps. And, and being organized and not leaving things until the next day. If you've got a bit of time to do it now and then use that time. I would say also actually collaborating with other colleagues. I think that's really powerful. So you're not completely creating everything from scratch. You're not planning everything yourself, but you're collaborating with your immediate team and your immediate department. But also then, you know, we have the benefit of working with a trust. So working with departments in other academies as well and kind of sharing those ideas. And I think that's something that we're doing more across the trust. Um, and I think that's really powerful um, and really useful. Um, but also just, like you said, prioritising and thinking, OK, I, I have all of these things to do. And as a teacher, your to-do list is never going to kind of, you're never going to reach the end of it. Um, and that's the reality. But accepting that and thinking, well, I also need to look after myself as a teacher. And if I'm not OK and I'm not thinking about my well-being, then I'm not performing in the classroom. And so, yeah, finding that balance, although in the initial years, it might be a little bit more difficult, but you, you do get there. And I can say, yeah, I have found it and I am really happy having, having found it. And I have a lot of responsibility, you know, I'm doing lots of things, but that doesn't mean that I'm not also taking care of myself. And I think that that's something that kind of in the media and things like that, I think it's... There are these stereotypes that, oh, teachers have all these holidays and, you know, they finish at three o'clock and that's far from the reality. And, yeah, we do work really hard, but we also need to look after ourselves and you can balance that and find that balance and, and do it really well as well. And I think it's really important to kind of share that and acknowledge it. Does it frustrate you? I know it's a common stereotype of teaching, isn't it? <coughs> oh, well, they get you know, six weeks holidays in the summer and they finish early. Does that frustrate you when you know you've got so much to do behind the scenes? I mean, for me, yeah, it does. Even just, you know, with family and friends, you know, we've got the summer holidays coming up and or Easter holidays coming up and we're having a conversation and they're like, oh, you know, you've got two weeks off, you've got six weeks off. And I'm a bit like, yeah, but I'm doing revision. I can't go on holiday in May half term because I, it's just before exams. So I've got X, Y, Z revision classes coming up and I can't go away at Easter because, again, that's also just before exams. And, yeah, I've got five weeks over the holidays, but actually half of that is me planning and preparing whole school things and, you know, department things for September so that we're, we're going in you know, really planned, really confident, really secure with what we're doing. So, yeah, we have a lot of holidays, but we're working through them. And I don't think people always realise that, yeah, I might be doing it at home on my sofa, but I guess now there's loads of people working from home. There's lots of people doing that. So, yeah, it, it does get a little bit frustrating, especially when you read all these negative comments in newspapers about teachers. And I, I'm a bit like, well, come and do it then. Like, come and join us, shadow me for a day, I don't mind. Uh, because the reality on the ground is, is much different. And yeah, I enjoy it and I really love what I do and I don't see myself really ever doing anything differently. It's not always easy, you know. It's not always 
like they kind of paint it out to be in, in the media. Um, so yeah, it's frustrating. <laughs> it's nice that you've got that support network, as you said though, because from what you've just said there, the revision, the planning, the, you know, probably one-to-one -one with some students as well, the marking, being able, like you said, Emily, to be able to say, speak to other members of staff, how do I do that? How do you do that? How do you balance your time? So there is that support network around you, which I imagine makes it worthwhile. It does, it really does. It, it's very important to, as I said before, to be aware of it. I've, in, during my, t my um, teacher training, I've, I have gone through some mental health difficulties because I, I felt I did not have that network, which is why I'm, I'm very almost militant about it, about saying, yes, we've got to become aware of that network around us because it is what will help us get through it. And, and yes, and we, we just, our colleagues are so important and they will help us become better at managing all those things. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Is teaching something you all wanted to get into from the start or did you just fall upon it? Um, I kind of fell upon it. I, I'm not going to lie, I did very badly in school, not grades-wise, but attendance-wise, um, behaviour-wise. And then I went to university, I ended up doing geology, I actually switched halfway through from computer programming to doing geology, so I fell into a geography-based career through complete accident. And then after that, I went into geology and partway through doing geology as a career, I just felt completely lost. I felt very isolated. And I really had to sit there and think, what do I really want to do with my life now? Let's try teaching because I just had this sort of, I want to be the teacher that I really wanted as a kid. And I'm hoping that I can maybe give some guidance to other, you know, other young people that are completely lost on, where do I go from here? Best decision you made? Yeah, honestly, I'm genuinely loving it. I didn't even have to think then because... I've got a really good support network at work. I really like what I'm doing. I'm not going to sit there and pretend, oh, it's stress-free, it's the best job ever. But it just feels so satisfying and so rewarding to me and it's just really nice to do. And was that the same for you, Emily? So for me, I've always wanted to be a teacher um, and I've, I've taken different paths, um, but in the long term, I would... So I'm from France originally and... At first, I wanted to be a teacher, a primary school teacher, but in France. And then I started traveling and I ended up uh, working as a French assistant in French immersion schools. And then I realized that I really wanted to be a teacher, but I needed a degree. And for me, moving to the UK and doing a PGC has been the best decision because I've learned so much from the teacher training and being with very good teachers in my different schools and now in my, in my current school. It's so it really was what I wanted to do. And it was, I just, I am just so happy with those decisions I've made that have ended up with me being where I am at the moment. And from the point, um, I guess, of thinking, I'm going to do teaching, I'm going to do the training, how does that differ from then? I know we talked about sort of being in the classroom, but do your perceptions change? Were you sold the, the right kind of picture of how teaching would be? Um, yes and no. I think you kind of train, and depending on your training route as well, it's different. Um, you know, I did a PGC, so as part of that, I had two different placements and they were in two different contrasting schools. But then my school that I went to do my first teaching role in was completely different to those two schools as well. And you kind of have an idea in your mind of what kind of teacher you're going to be and what your classroom will look like and how things are going to go. But it doesn't always work out that way. And that, 
there are things out of your control, you know, what classes you teach, what your timetable looks like, what the curriculum is like, you know, there are some topics that I'd never taught before. And in terms of the subject knowledge as well, like there's a massive jump between what I was doing at degree level and some of the topics that I was teaching on my placements and then what I was teaching to my own classes in my first teaching role as an NQT. So yeah, you know, whilst I had my own classroom and I was happy doing all, all, all of those things, I also faced uh, quite a few challenges, kind of just transferring what I thought was gonna happen to what was actually happening and kind of relying on my mentor, you know, like Lucia said that she appreciates the support from me. I was relying on my mentor to kind of guide me through those changes. And I think that's where that mentor and mentee relationship is really important because I went through the same thing myself. And there are just certain things that you just kind of get on with, you know, you've got a, a mixed ability class in front of you and that that's something that you just have to learn to adapt with and there's adaptive teaching and doing all of those things to find the satisfaction that you're looking for in your job as well so yeah it was uh it's been a journey <laughs> what would you say to anyone then who because you know it's like you were saying you fell into teaching by accident and it's what you decided people will go into teaching for whatever different reasons different ways but what would you say to anyone who was thinking about a career in teaching give it a try what have you got to lose i would say yeah do it it's one of the most rewarding jobs you could find. I would say it's the best job in the world. And once you've found your school and your style of teaching and, you know, whatever it is about the career that makes you happy, it transfers into all aspects of your life because you spend the, the majority of your life at work, unfortunately. Um, and there's so many different ways to get into teaching and so many different routes that you can take. It's definitely something that I would recommend people try, even if it's for a couple of years, you know, or for the rest of your life. It really makes a difference and it helps to develop skills in you as an individual that I don't know if many other careers allow so we were talking about challenges, um, challenges that you might face as a teacher, but what about the challenges in terms of recruiting new, new teachers? Because we mentioned about what sometimes is in the media and it might put people off and um, the workload, but what sort of challenges are faced there? Um, I think recruitment is a, in a pretty poor position nationally, and I think the media does have a role to play in that. Um, I think... When it comes to all of the rumours and the speculation about how hard teaching is and how much it affects your life and how much, you know, you give so much and you get very little back, it puts a lot of people off. And there are, you know, lots of adverts that you come across, get into teaching, it's like this, and sometimes that itself is selling it or mis-selling it. Um, so, yeah, recruitment has been a bit of a, a concern. Um, across schools nationally but what I would say is that there are now so many different kind of pathways into teaching so you can do a teach first you can do a PGC you can do a um, schools direct um, there are teacher apprenticeship programs as well now so there are so many different opportunities that you can find one that will suit your circumstances and your needs um, and so we hopefully are seeing more teachers come through those different pathways 
Um, there are some subjects that we can hardly ever recruit for, geography being one. So geographers are like gold dust. We're very special. Um, and then there are some subjects where we have lots of trainees coming through history, for example, that we've been very lucky at Crest, but it, it's not easy. And so recruiting is really important, but also retaining your staff and, you know, ensuring that there are enough opportunities to develop them and to provide opportunities for a range of different experiences is also really important. And in terms of aspirations then, do you see yourself in primary school or do you, what do you, what would you see yourself going? Uh, definitely primary school. I've, I've taught from very young children up, up to adults when I was teaching French before. So I've had that breadth of experience and children is def and primary children is definitely my favourite and that's what I want to do. I am not sure whether I'll stay in the UK. If I stay in the UK, I could see myself taking on like some subject leadership or something like that. I don't, I'm not aiming for being a, a curriculum lead or assistant head or whatever, but I'll see where my path take, takes me. But my real aspiration is in the long run to teach in um, immersion schools, which are schools where the children would spend half of their day in the foreign language, so in my case French, and then half of their day in English, because I find that it's a great way for children to learn another language, and I'm very passionate about languages, I would say even more than the primary teaching, but yes, that, that would be my aspiration. And what about yourself? I would love to try and take on a leadership role at some point. I would love to just keep progressing in the career, ideally if I could go into some kind of, you know, curriculum director role, that would be the ideal dream for me because I love teaching secondary school. I'm really passionate about geography, so if I could do more to do with getting students into geography or helping out in the geography curriculum, that would be the dream come true for me. Well, it's really good to know what opportunities are available and what's out there. Thank you so much. That was a really interesting insight into getting into teaching. If anyone wants more information on that episode or any of our other Opening Minds, Opening Doors episodes, you can go to the website, openingmindsopeningdoors.co.uk or just search on socials, Opening Minds, Opening Doors. Opening Minds, Opening Doors is a Bower Create production for EACT. 